I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bible while you're still standing to Psalms chapter 63. And it is a short chapter, so I, I feel, let's read the entire thing. Psalm 63, amen, we'll begin reading at verse number 1. Now I'm reading out of the New King James, I believe what's on the screen, if you don't have your Bible, is the King James Version. That's what David says, he says, O God, you are my God, early will I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Amen. I want to speak just for the next little bit on this title. Wilderness worship wilderness worship amen would you just lay your bibles down and just help me pray i want the lord to speak to us in this place lord we love you lord we're so thankful god for the privilege to be here lord we just ask you right now for your perfect will to be done lord i pray that your word would go forth god that you'd speak to our hearts god speak to our minds god give us a fresh word god revive our spirits today revive our souls lord stir us up this morning i pray in the name of jesus god we give you all the praise for it, and we thank you in advance for hearing us, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Has anyone ever had those, um, those moments uh, where you're like, like you find yourself in a situation, you're like, why am I here? Like, and you start to reflect, you know, in your head, like you're like, of all the of all the events that led you up to like you being I've had like two situations within the past three weeks that I'm standing there and I even text Mallory like what am I doing here and I'm not I'm not saying like it's in a sinful place that I'm at or something like that you know let's be transparent this morning right <laughs> you know you know it's nothing like that but I'm just like what am I doing here like how did I get myself into this situation you know um how did i how did i end up at this at this at this place in my life that this is what i'm doing at this specific point in time um that's kind of the thought that i have this morning uh as, as we all gather together here um how many appreciate just the gathering of the saints just coming to the house of the lord i mean this is this is very vital time okay this is this is not just you know a regular you know gathering these times are important yes. um last week uh i even shared this with the youth on wednesday night we talked about um 
your carrot. What's your carrot? What's what motivates you? Um, we talked about motives. What drives you? What pushes you to get up? What pushes you to get up early on a Sunday morning and and put on church clothes and head off to the house of the Lord? Uh, and, and we looked a little bit at the life of Paul and what motivated Paul. What was it that made a man who used to be one that hated Christianity, but now he's being used mightily by God? What what drove him? What motivated his actions? And what we found in the Scripture was that it was it was Jesus Christ. Yes. Okay. It was, it was the love of God that compelled him, that controlled him, that, that motivated him. And uh, I hope that each and every one of us can say that here this morning, that, that Jesus is the reason. Okay, Behind all that we do, He is the reason. He's what motivates me. He's what pushes me. And let me be honest with you this morning, I love each and every one of you here today, but you're not the reason that I'm here. Okay, You play a part in it, but you're not the main reason. I didn't come to meet with you. I came to meet with Him. Amen. I came here to bless His name, to lift up my hands and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. And I hope that's why you've come this morning. I hope that you've come to give Him glory. And that's what I want to jump into this morning. That, that once, we, once we get everything in order... Once we have Jesus on the throne of our hearts and he is, he is ruling and reigning our life. He's our carrot. He's our motivation. He's our reason. He's what pushes us forward. Uh, once you get that settled, okay, now we've gathered here. He's the reason. He's what brought us here. It's like, now what? Okay, now what? We're here today, but, but what do we do? Why are we here? Why have we gathered together? And that question, why are you here is the question we have to answer individually in this room today before we get to where we need to go. Why are we here? We need to answer that question individually today. Why are we here? Because this is the reason. It will shape and direct us for no matter what comes our way in life. The answer to that question. If we know our reason for existence, then we can make it. Everybody follow me this morning? We know that whatever is in, in front of us is not the end goal, but we know that it is, it is temporary. Okay? And our existence is shaped. Our design uh, is here. What, when we have answered that question, we can then walk with purpose in life. Okay, that question has been asked over thousands of years by a thousand different philosophers and probably a thousand different answers. And for us to answer that question, why are we here? I think that we need to look at the Word of God because how many know the Word of God will, will is what sets truth in our lives? Yes. Amen? Okay, it's not what culture says, it's not what philosophy says, it's not what, it's not what I say, it's not what I think, it's not what you think, it's what the Word of God says. Amen. The Word of God says you and I are here, we are, we, we were created, we were designed, we were wired for worship. For worship. Worship. Isaiah 43 and 7 says, every one of you who is called by my name, who I created for my glory. That's what, that's what God says in Isaiah 43 and 7. And then you jump down to verse 21. He says this, 
the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Praise. Amen. We were created by God to worship God. That's why we are here. We're not here on this earth to get a job. We're not here on this earth to have a good time and have the boat and have the retirement and have, you know, the 401k and all those things, have the nice house and, and all that is great. That, but that's not the main reason that we're here. We are here. We are designed. We are purposed for worship. Yes. For worship. And please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying that God is a God who is, who is lacking anything and therefore needs our worship. God doesn't need our worship. God isn't lacking. He's not, He's not incomplete. He's like, He's not in want of that. Rather, you and I were created to display His infinite worth, okay? Yeah. You, were to, you were created to display His glory with our lives, amen. How many know that worship is all of our lives? Yes! It's, it's all of us, okay? It's not just when we gather in this room. It's not just singing songs, although that is a part of it, and it is backed up by Scripture. But worship, it's everything. Yeah. Amen. It's, it's all of life. No matter what we do, no matter where we are, we were created to be worshipers. At church, on the job, dropping your kids off at school, you were created for worship. Your life should be one that displays the glory of the Lord. In everything, in everything that you do. I heard our presbyter, Brother Mass, say just not too, just not too long ago, he said there's two reasons why we do things. One, for the kingdom of God, and two, for the glory of God. Two reasons why we do what we do. For the kingdom of God, and for the glory of God. You know what Paul said? Paul said, be an example of the believers in what? In word. In conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I'm not saying that you should be walking down the cereal aisle shouting the chorus to my God is more than enough. Although if you were to pick an aisle, it would be the cereal aisle. Come on somebody, talk back to me this morning. It would be that aisle where I would declare the glory of the Lord in the cereal aisle. For those of you, you know I hate unsweetened tea, but I love cereal. What cereal? All. All cereal. I'm not saying that you should be walking down the aisle, walking down, picking out what you're going to have for dinner and shouting. We don't want to weird people out. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm talking about is how our actions, how our lifestyle, exactly what Paul said in word, in conversation, in charity. He was saying no matter what you are doing, remember that you were created to be a worshiper. Your life is supposed to worship and bring glory to the Lord, bring glory to the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. In whatever you're doing, let it be a praise and a worship unto God. 1 Corinthians 10 says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. And whatever you do, all the way down to what you eat or drink, do all. Somebody say all. All. All to the glory of God. We were created to worship we are wired for worship but here's what happened 
because of the fall, because of our sin, our worship has been cheapened. Our worship is skewed. Our worship is distorted. It's fractured. Our world has exchanged worshiping the king of the universe for man-made gods. Many have said, God, I don't need you. I don't need to worship you. They might say, I know you're worthy. I know that you're God. I know that you sit in heaven. I know that you reign and all that stuff. And and I know I read that in scripture. But instead of worshiping you, I'm going to worship this, this thing. I'm going to worship this car. I'm going to worship this truck. I'm going to worship this, this, this thing. And you probably think, That's, that, that sounds crazy. And you know what it is? It is crazy. It is. And we probably don't say that verbally, but that's what we do. Okay? We worship things. We worship a house, or we worship a spouse, and we worship an image, or we worship money, and the list goes on and on and on. Our worship is fractured, and it's cheapened because we have exchanged worshiping the king of the universe for a little man-made object. We were created to worship. You will worship something. There is a worship war going on within our soul at all times. Over what we, what we value most, okay? Over what, uh, over what we place value on, over what we set uh, uh, above. There's an inner, there's an inner battle. There's a war going on in our soul, even right now as I'm speaking on what you will worship and what you will value and what you will give your time to. What is worthy in your life to, to expend energy on? I love a quote by C.S. Lewis. He said this, praise is inner health made audible. I'll say that again. He said, praise is inner health made audible. That's a good quote. That is a great quote. Because here's the deal. If you and I are unable to praise, that's an indicator that something is wrong within our souls. We're, we're, we're unhealthy. We, we, we have a sickness. Our, our, our spirit, uh, our spirits have temporarily been defeated. And I just get the feeling that many of us, many of us, maybe even in this room today, we are just, we are walking through a bit of uncertainty. We are walking through a bit of anxiety. We are walking a bit in fear. We are walking in a little doubt, pressure from this world. And you come to the church and you're just unable to praise and worship God. Oh, I know you sing the songs. We all know the songs. The words are up on the wall. But we can possibly, we can go through the motions and really not worship God. And it's possible that the root cause has to do with the health of your soul. Maybe you're either walking in a little rebellion Maybe your relationship with your husband or wife is, is, is on rocket ground. Maybe you're just having trouble believing that God is, is, is good enough to, to heal or to save or to redeem. And maybe you're going through a difficult time. And I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I'm just saying maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe there's a physical illness that nobody knows about. Maybe there's something that, that you're just having trouble believing that God can help you, that God can heal. And for whatever reason, you find yourself in a dry season in life you're unable to worship you're unable to praise you're just in a dry season maybe it's unbelief maybe it's skepticism i don't i i I don't know there's all sorts of uh, uh of issues that it possibly could be 
But as we look at Psalm 63 this morning, my prayer is that these words would encourage your heart. Because listen, David wrote this psalm when he was in a dry place. When he was in a dry place. He wrote this psalm literally when he was in the wilderness. It was wilderness worship. He was in the desert being chased by more than likely his son Absalom. He wrote this psalm and in this psalm he puts forth this theme. Here's the theme that he put forth. For who God is and what God has done, I will worship Him. God and God alone is worthy of my worship for who He is and what He has done no matter what season of life I find myself in. What an amazing statement from a man who is on the run from his own family. From a man who was once in the palace now finds himself in the wilderness. Church, that is my hope for today. My prayer is that the Lord would use this Scripture. He would use this text to spark a revival in your soul, in your lives, individually, corporately, as a body of Christ, and that we would learn to display the magnificent worth of His glory with our lives in this room, every day in our lives, no matter what we're doing, that we would learn to respond to His goodness, that we would learn to respond to his holiness to we would learn to respond that just God you are good you are great amen for who he is and what he's done matter of fact I wish we would all look to the word of God when we need a word of encouragement when we have questions no matter what season we are in I wish that we would learn to open up the Bible instead of open up Facebook I, I really do stop if you're depressed don't get on Facebook you'll be more depressed it's just depressing depressing amen we need to look to the word of god to where we get truth amen you don't need to see a counselor you have the wonderful counselor he's the wonderful counselor he's he's the one that we need to look for for help for answers for healing for salvation for redemption david didn't say i lift up mine eyes to society he didn't say i lift up mine eyes to culture he didn't say i lift up my eyes to my college professor he didn't say i look up lift up my eyes to my boss he said i lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help Amen. You're thinking the hills. What's he talking about? The hills. Well, Psalms 3, 2 through 4 says, Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. Amen. Church, your answer doesn't come from the hills alone, but it comes from the one who dwells there. It comes from the one whose presence is there. It comes from God Almighty. That's where your help comes from. Come on, clap your hands unto him today. I'm not going to lift mine eyes up to anybody else but you, God. God, you are where my help comes from. So we read that and we, we, we come to Psalm 63, which is our text this morning. Let's look. David had this understanding of who God is. Amen. In the wilderness, you better have an understanding of who God is. In the good times, you better have an understanding of who God is. But when you get into the wilderness, you better have a clear understanding. David writes this. He said, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. 
My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Okay, now stop right there for those of you who are following along with me in your Bible. David starts off this song with this massive declaration of who God is. He starts off this psalm in the wilderness by calling out to the God who created the wilderness. Okay? He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't call out to the comfort of his palace. Okay? He doesn't call out to some, to some idol. He doesn't call out to anyone else. He doesn't call his friend. He doesn't call anybody. He doesn't get on social media. He doesn't get on his cell phone and call up his, his family. They're after him anyways. He calls out to God. He starts out by saying this. He says, Oh God. David set the tone for the rest of the text. Listen, church, everything we see, everything around us, everything we experience, everything that is in the world, everything that is outside the world, all of it was created by God. Everything. Romans 11 says, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Everything. Everything. I think we really need to sit under that truth this morning. As we begin thinking about who God is, we need to realize that our worship begins with God. Our worship begins with God. It's God who defines it. It's God who initiates it. It's God who seeks. It's God who draws. It's Him who calls. It's God who sets the theme of our worship because He is the theme of our worship. It's all about God. It's all about God. In the beginning, God. That's Genesis 1. Before any of creation, there was God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All of the mountain ranges. All of the ocean valleys. All of the plains. All of the rivers. All of the lakes. All of the trees. All of the plants. All the blades of grass. All of the flowers. All of the birds. All of the insects. All of the animals. All that was created by God. All of it was fashioned together by God. And why? For the glory of God. Psalms 19 says that the heavens are declaring the glory of the Lord that's why it was created that's why you and I are here to display and bring glory to the Lord it all begins with God everything that we look at in wonder and in awe with our eyes it was put there by God Almighty all of it You go on vacation, you go on a trip, you go traveling. Mount Everest, the Grand Canyon, the Atlantic Ocean. All of it was created. All of it was designed by who? God. And and listen, the amazing thing to me is that's all that all the stuff that we can see. That's what we're able to go and, and, and witness ourselves. Those are just things that we can see with our eyes right now. The Bible says God also created the planets. In all of the stars. Have you ever looked up in the night sky and just tried counting the stars? It's kind of foolish. Don't even do it. I can count the little dipper. Not the big ones. Too many. Why are you laughing? <laughs> you ever looked up at the night sky and just seen the beautiful canvas of, of the night sky? All of the stars that are in the sky. And you just think, how many are there? How many? Scientists say this, there are anywhere between 100 billion and 400 billion stars in our galaxy. Between 100 billion and 400 billion stars in our galaxy. 
They actually don't even know the exact number. There are so many. Psalms 147 says this, God has determined the number of stars and He has given to each their name. It's unbelievable. God knows the exact number of stars in the universe. He has named all of them. And He remembers all of them. That's who He is. That's how massive and that's how incredible the God that David is worshiping. The God that David is crying out from the wilderness. The God who placed the stars. He named the stars. My parents, they couldn't even get us five boys' names right sometimes. <laughs> Cody does the court. Bryce! Don't judge them. You did it too. <laughs> they couldn't even remember. I have trouble sometimes remembering people's names. I just met them and we're still in the very first conversation. And the whole time I'm like, what did they say their name was again? You need to say it to me three times. If I hear it three times, I'm good. Isn't that right, Brother Hoagland? <laughs> we forget, but God doesn't. He doesn't forget. His capacity is limitless. His power, His knowledge, and His wisdom are beyond all measure. His sovereignty, King over the universe. We say that often that He is the God of the universe, that He is the King of creation. We even sing songs about it. But have we ever really stopped and just sat under that statement and thought about how massive and majestic that makes God? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever? Listen, I, I, I'm, no, I'm no scientist, okay? By any stretch of imagination, but I do know how to use Google. If you go to Google and you type in, just type in the size of our galaxy, this is what will come up. It says our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is 100,000 light years in diameter. 100,000 light years. And you know what? I read that and I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Again, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I have no idea what that means. And so, so again, I kind of had to like, like break it down, like, what does that mean? Some of you are like, I know what the light years is. Like, don't judge me, okay? <laughs> Here's a little illustration that I came across. Okay? Let's pretend that my floral lapel pin right here. Okay? Let's pretend this is, this is earth. This is earth. Okay, if this, if this is the size of our earth, here's Sparta, Illinois right here. Beautiful. Okay, right here, this pin on earth. Okay? If this is, the, if this is earth, if the earth was this size pin... That makes the sun the size of a four-foot beach ball. A four-foot beach ball. That's, that's pretty crazy to me. You could fit over a million earths inside of our sun. A million. Over a million. And I took it a step further. I found that if the earth were the size of the sun, okay, the four-foot beach ball, and if I took the largest planet in our solar system, anybody know what the largest planet is? Good job. Jupiter. If you, if the earth were the size of the sun, that puts Jupiter the size of a grapefruit. Check this out. We have our pin-sized earth. We have our beach ball sun. We have our grapefruit Jupiter. And if the earth were the size of this pin to scale to proportion, our galaxy is still 55 billion miles wide to proportion. 55 billion miles wide. 
wide. That's, that's our galaxy. That's the Milky Way galaxy. Listen, our galaxy isn't even the largest galaxy in the universe. There's a galaxy out there that is 1.5 million light years in diameter. And scientists say there are somewhat on the low end, probably 100 billion galaxies in the universe. 100 billion galaxies in the universe. That is unbelievable. And you know what the best part about that is? Hebrews 3 says that the universe was created by the Word of God. Come on, all of the planets, all of the stars, all of the nebulas, and all the other things that I can't even pronounce, all of it was spoken into existence by God. He is indescribable. He is infinitely majestic. There are no words in our vocabulary that can fully explain how large He is. There are no words. There are no words that you can say to describe, to fully describe God. And the best way that David knew how to explain God, he said, that God is my God. He is mine. And I belong to Him. And He belongs to me. Amen. Church, you need to hear those words today. I belong to the King of the universe because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. He is mine and I am His. That's, that's great news. That's such good news. Such good news. Amen. If you're in this room today and you've been born again by the water and the Spirit and you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you belong to the King of the universe. The King of it all. You belong to Him. There is no amount of sin that you could walk in. There is no amount of rebellion that you could walk in. There is nowhere you can travel to where you won't be held by the king of the universe. Don't believe the lie that you are outside the reach of his grasp. He has you. Amen. You are the apple of his eye. He's not like a father that forgets his child in the grocery store. No, he'll never lose you. He'll never lose sight of you. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing, no life, no death, no angels, no demons that can separate His love from us. That's the God that David cries out to. That's the God that David worshipped in the wilderness. He said, oh God, you are my God. As David makes that declaration for who God is, that breeds within him a confidence to, de- to desire God for who He is. He, sa- he says, oh God, You are my God so earnestly, early, before anything else, I run after You. I seek You. I-, I-, I seek You, God. I don't seek revenge. I don't seek vindication. I don't seek the comfort of my palace. I seek You in the wilderness. I run after You in the dry seasons. My soul thirsts for you. David knew. He knew what would satisfy his thirst. He knew what would satisfy. He says, my flesh longs for you. Lord, nothing else, nothing will do. How did he know? How did he know that as he called out for God to satisfy his soul, that God would be the God who would satisfy? He declared God for who he is. He desired God for who he is. But how did he know? 
How did he know he would be that God that would satisfy? Because he remembered what God had done. You see, David sat. He had sat in that sanctuary in the palace. He had sat under the Lord. And he had seen God. And he had beheld. Verse 2, he says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. David beheld the power of the Almighty. Hear me in the closing moments of this service. David wasn't always found in the wilderness. There was a time. There was a time before David was in that situation that he worshipped the Lord in the sanctuary. That he ascribed to the Lord the beauty and the splendor of His holiness. He worshipped Him in the assembly in that experience. Him being there. It carried within Him into the wilderness. Church, it is our regular worship that prepares us for the crisis experience of life. For David, his worship of the Lord in the sanctuary prepared his heart for when he was to be found in the wilderness. He sat and beheld and looked upon and gazed upon the beauty of the Lord. And that prepared his heart for the difficult days in the wilderness. I think that's a good reminder for us this morning. This is our, this is our sanctuary place. This is where we come and we gather, gather together with other believers and we, we gather and we sing songs and we, this is our sanctuary place corporately as one body of Christ. It's in this room, church, in our, in our life, in our life of being a disciple of Jesus. This room is a key element to our life of worship. When we come in here and we sing songs and we listen to the Word of God, it's a key element to our life of worship because what happens in this room is something special. That's right. What happens in this room is the Lord does a big work in our lives and in our hearts and then we are sent out back to the world to declare and proclaim His goodness to a lost and hurting world. This room is important. These times are important. This gathering is important. Would you stand with me this morning? And the big reason why we gather, we gather each week in this room. And the reason that we do that is to disperse. Everybody say disperse. Disperse. We come in tired. We come in broken. Weary. We're exhausted. 
and the Lord comes in. He refills our cup again. He refills it. He recharges our batteries. He, he gives us another blessing and He sends us back out into a lost, hurting world to those potentially dry places. But we also come in together in this room and we celebrate and we proclaim all that the Lord has done in our lives. And we celebrate how He carried us through a difficult time. He carried us through a difficult conversation with a friend. He car- carried us through a horrible circumstance that we walked in. We celebrate those and we proclaim, amen, that, that He he, he saved a family member or he, I was able to witness to a co-worker invite him to church and they came and we come in here with hearts of gratitude and we call out to the Lord together with one another with other believers and we celebrate you are good you are great you are mighty and you are greatly to be praised this is what we should do when we come in here it's why we're here but sometimes this is what happens if we're not careful. I feel like it's possible that we come to church because it's our duty. We view it as a job. There are some, it's Sunday, and you're like, that's what you do. You go to church because that's what you do. You have, to, you have to go to church on the weekend. You have to go on a Wednesday night. There are some, even today, that do this. They don't walk into this room expecting God to heal a broken marriage. They don't walk into this room expecting Him to save. They don't walk into this room expecting Him to pour out His Spirit. And I say today, we need to repent of that. Because it doesn't do us any good to come in here and talk about God and sing truth about God and think about our worship all the while our posture being like He isn't here with us. Church, He is here. Yes, amen. The Spirit of the Lord, He is amongst us. He is in this room. He is surrounding this room with shouts of deliverance. He is wanting to do a work. He's wanting to pour His Spirit on us. He's wanting to do a work right now. It doesn't do us any good to chatter about God and, 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 and think that He isn't here. He's here. He's here. And you might have walked in this place in a dry season. You might be in a wilderness right now. And God is wondering, will you worship me in that experience? Will you worship me in that dry time? Will you cry out to me? Who's the one that's going to satisfy your soul? Where are you looking to feel that thirst in your life? Please have the understanding be completely persuaded be completely convinced that God is here we gather to disperse we gather to celebrate for all the reasons why it's important we gather and all of these things prepare our hearts for the wilderness It prepares our hearts for a dry season. 
I don't know about you, but when those dry seasons come in my life, when I wake up and I'm in a wilderness experience, it's my prayer and it's my intention that I will be like David. That I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. That I will lift up my hands in His name. That I would cry out to Him and be able to worship Him. But listen to me right now. What you're doing, what we're about to do in this place is preparing you. Yes, yes. This is prep. Do you have a worship life now that will sustain you in the wilderness? you bow your head close your eyes with me this morning as they begin to play and sing I wish just for the next few moments we would turn this place in just to a house of worship that we would lift up our hands and we would lift up our voices and we would say God you are my God